Hello, guys. Welcome back to episode two of Drumroll. I'm going to do a little... Yes, witness the fitness. That was highly, highly calculated drumroll. Excellent, excellent. We should be in a band. I'm Sophie and um, this is the lovely Lauren. Lauren, do you want to chime in? Hello, I'm Lauren. <laughs> Good. So that's official. We've made our introductions. We've been really socially awkward. But first of all, we're also going to have a little catch up. As, as a little, as girly chats go, I think we're, we're due for one this episode, aren't we, Lauren? Yes. I mean, technically, we have been now speaking for 53 minutes. Um, so we've caught up, but we're going to pretend like it was all very candid. And we're now just having a very easy, easy catch up now. Yeah, we're um, just, just pretend it's all natural, guys. Yeah. Well, to be fair, we did. We recorded the first episode. I think it was only like three weeks or so into lockdown. Um, so when did, when was that? Some, sometime in April um, or May and now obviously we're in bloody August and probably about to go into another lockdown <laughs> so, how is how are you how is your mental state with the current apocalypse um how are you coping oh I've actually been coping really well and I've 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 had um so I had a breakup during lockdown which sounds really sucky and initially it was the, the most sucky because of the shock. But now I'm like, I'm a new person, which is very strange, which sounds very cliche. I'm not actually a new person. I'm the same old, same old. But, you know, um, it, it helped me helped me grow in a lot of ways. It helped me focus, hyper-focus on my work, my career, my development. So weirdly, kind of grateful for it, um, or very grateful for it um, in many aspects. So it's actually been a, a really, really positive force in my life, which sounds... Like the toxic positivity we talked about last week, but to clarify, it did suck initially, but what it gave me and the toolkit it gave me was undeniable. So I'm going to give it some kudos and some credit. Um, And as a result, I've just been kind of delving into a lot more studying for coaching, um, improving my knowledge on pain science, um, and focusing on my clients, myself, my family, and my friends. It's been bloody awesome. So weirdly enough, it's been a very transformative time um, as apocalypses should be in any case. Um, and this was just the cherry on top. Um, and I do feel that in many ways, it's done me a world of good. So positive start to the podcast, everyone. We love, we love us some personal growth. We do. Mm. We love us some personal growth that isn't ingrained in capitalistic self-serving nature, (laughs) you know? Got to be, got to be uh, balanced about it. Yeah, I, I also have had a breakup, not from my lovely fiance, who is lovely, incredibly right. lovely. Yeah, he's all right. And um, but <laughs> no, we've. Um, I have broken up with the gym. Oh, both had breakups. This is so exciting. This should be called the breakup podcast. Yeah, really. <laughs> the breakup podcast. I have broken up with the gym. I am no longer. I've made the decision that um, because. Online training for me has worked so fabulously well, and this Zoom thing is really rather great. Um, I'm never going back to a gym again, which is pretty wild, considering my business my business used to be um, effectively helping women to learn to lift weights. So the fact that I'm now basically training people in their front rooms with a towel and Um, some bands and maybe a couple of bits of equipment is a pretty big shift so we're saying 
It is, it is, Sophie was saying, pretty transformative and um, I'm loving it and it means I get to be at home with my cats more and I have, you know, very similar to Sophie, um, more time for myself, for my partner, for, again, for the cats. So that's, that's, that's basically, it's the breakup podcast. Um, but we're also going to be, <laughs> our main topic today, the meat of this podcast, um, and our first segment is going to be on stretching. We're going to stretch your mind. <laughs> stretch your mind. And if you would like to get up and do some kind of little funky move, then you can stretch your body as well. Uh, <laughs> it's optional, but also recommended. Yeah. So um, stretching is such an interesting concept. I'm going to say concept um, because there are a lot of myths surrounding it and a lot of things that we think that stretching does um, when actually if you ask the bigger question of what actually is stretching, in essence... All movement is stretching. Uh, a stretch is just a muscle changing shape as your bones move around in space. Um, it doesn't really matter if you're feeling a stretch um, by bending down to touch your toes or if you're performing something like a deadlift in the gym. The same bones are moving in similar ways, um, and it's really the intensity of the movement that creates that difference. Um, both, really, are just examples of dynamic stretching. And dynamic stretching is one of the things that gets spoken about quite a lot. Um, for example, we need to dynamic stretch before, um, before we exercise to prepare us for our sessions. So yeah, we have dynamic stretching, which is effectively any kind of movement. So it could be a squat or a deadlift or um, arm swings in a warm-up where you're just kind of circling your shoulders. Um, so we have dynamic stretching. Then we also have static stretching, which is, say, holding a position for a longer period of time with the hope that you will improve the feeling in that position and thus improve mm -hmm. flexibility. Um, so there are lots of reasons why we use stretching, and I'm going to start using inverted commas, even though you can't see me do so over this um, auditory medium. <laughs> but we, uh, we stretch for a number of different reasons, from improving flexibility to improving our recovery or reducing the sensation of DOMS, reducing injury risk to improve performance. We are going to basically cover whether any of these theories are backed up by science. Um, and spoiler alert, they mostly aren't. <laughs> you don't have to listen to the rest of the podcast now because Lauren has essentially given you the ending. So if you, you want to just shut off now, it's a pretty good time. <laughs> In essence, yeah, there's your answer. So, I mean, I teach a, um, I actually teach a mobility class every Wednesday morning at 8am. Plug, what? Um, and I, I also teach strength classes online. Um, and the reason I called my mobility class, mobility class, um, and my strength class, a strength class, is because I wanted the mobility class to attract um, a different set of people who maybe felt a little bit more intimidated by the high-intensity strength label. Um, but in essence, the classes are similar, 
both will help you become skilled in different ranges of motion, um, but they're just set at different intensity levels. So in my mobility class, uh, we tend to move slower. Um, it tends to be a little bit more of like a calm vibe, <laughs> which is quite nice. Um, but in essence, they are both forms of dynamic stretching, uh, which is what I mentioned before. Um, and people think that strength training is different to mobility training or flexibility training, and that strength work will reduce flexibility, but this isn't the case. If you are moving through large ranges of motion, whether you're doing a squat or a blooming downward dog, um, you are going to build skill within those ranges um, and thus build flexibility, mobility, whatever you want to call it. For example, if you take someone like an Olympic weightlifter performing a snatch where they are, they've got a big old heavy barbell right above their head and they've got their bum on their heels in a squat or a gymnast performing flip after flip, getting loads of movement through their spine. Um, they are incredibly, both of them, both of those examples of athletes are incredibly flexible and incredibly mobile because they are built to be skilled in those large ranges of motion. Um, so Sophie, because she is like, now I've quit gyms. Um, Sophie is our official stronky donkey. Um, oh who, <laughs> and by, by stronky donkey, I mean, she is, she is the lifter of the, the barbells these days. Um, so she's going to, I mentioned that one of the myths around flexibility is that strength training um, will reduce flexibility. So Sophie's going to um, just touch on this and whether, I've already kind of said it isn't true, but she's going to go into more detail on it. <laughs> well, I think um, what was really interesting about what Lauren said as well is, you know, I know she says that she's not in the gym and she's no longer a strunky donkey, which is just simply not true. She's the strongest of donkeys <laughs> in all aspects, in my mind. Um, but uh, what Lauren touched upon about performance and thinking about the skill you want to work on is really, really important. So a lot of the time that we consider, um, we, we kind of associate weightlifting with in, immobility, inflexibility, stiff joints, um, painful weak joints yeah you get a lot of this um, this vernacular floating about the fitness industry you get a lot of this um this jargon essentially saying well here's a mobility workout for your deadlift mm -hmm. and then what they do is they end up giving you like a hamstring exercise for a hamstring stretch so you end up doing a hamstring stretch before you stretch your hamstrings because that's what, essentially what you're doing when you're placing your when you're placing those joints muscles under load um as you would if you were just doing a random hamstring stretch um you're placing them under such a range that you end up actually <laughs> improving the range especially because you're loading it if that makes sense because you are performing the same skill that you've been intended to perform in the warm-up so for instance fine you do body weight squats before you go into a barbell which i think is very sensible but a lot of people say oh well you need to do a bird dog and you know you need to go into some dead bugs before you do that squat and i'm just there like but why <laughs> that's not what the skill or skill skill is skill requires of you and that's not what what joints are particularly involved in a certain order or how the nervous system responds to a certain exercise right so when we think about breaking down each movement or each stretch that we're given when we think, really think about it, that stretch is essentially the same thing, unloaded, really, as you would um, put yourself underweight. And I think 
when we think about things like performance and let's let's use weightlifting in particular if we look at the research it just shows that stretching does not significantly improve performance or reduce risk reduce risk of injury for most sports um, and that includes weightlifting you you can't predict injury or make yourself you know more nimble in a certain exercise if you've never done it before you know if you're doing stretches before a deadlift and you've never really lifted a deadlift before and you think oh my deadlift was really bad or I felt like I couldn't get my range into my back or I really struggled with getting my hips quite low well no wonder you haven't done a deadlift before so it's people often um, conflate and a lot of industry people do this Um, it's not necessarily their fault to assume that you need to have some magical antidote to mobility before you lift but the truth be told you could start lifting right away if you wanted like obviously at a, at a reduced weight but you could perform the exact same exercise but just at a lower weight and then work work, work your way up and you'd be pretty good pretty well warmed up because you are literally warming up for the skill that is required um interestingly enough whilst it's not particularly stretching for weightlifting and mobility for weightlifting isn't particularly pertinent um, there's some research suggests that in some end ranges, it's, requ- it's actually beneficial um, to work and stretch certain ranges for certain sports. So I'm thinking here of jiu-jitsu. And there's only, some, um, there's only a couple of papers on it, um, which were really interesting ones. So they did have some significance and improvement of certain ranges and potentially reducing a risk of getting tapped. What has probably happened is that by practicing getting into these weird pretzel positions, like you do in jiu-jitsu, you're priming your nervous system to feel calm and ready when someone grabs your arm or grabs a joint and is about to either try and make a submission or try and get into an advantageous position. Your nervous system is calm and ready. You don't freeze up. Your muscles feel like they know, and as a result, your muscles act on this, your joints and muscles act on this. So you're able to escape or you're able to withstand the, the force a bit more and you're able to stay calm and actually take sensible actions and as a result, perform better almost primed your brain to prepare you to be in that end range it's primed your brain to get you to be in this weird twisty position and make you feel okay and comfortable with it and overall improve your skill at being in a certain range and that's what i think people need to take away from this when they want to go into the gym and want to lift yeah it's literally and you were talking about the jujitsu um stuff which is really interesting um obviously it's not that that's sophie's research because i don't know anything about jiu-jitsu uh, but it, you know from what you said I mean, it just sounds like um the sort of i guess movements that they were doing were positioning them into the awkward ranges that you might often find yourself say i guess in an arm bar literally yeah yeah exactly. like that um and it's exactly what you just said it's um building skill within those ranges that um you may need to use so that you don't get a nervous system response where your body goes, oh, stop, if you go any further here, you're going to pull something. Um, Mm. Because that is, and I was going to talk about this next, um, the concept of feeling tightness with uh, going into stretches, because it's often you'll hear um, something like, oh, I touch my toes and my hamstrings feel tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to discuss, discuss what that um, what that sensation tightness is. Um, tightness is a feeling. Um, it's a nervous system response that can be triggered by many different factors uh, outside of whether you consider yourself to be flexible or not. Um, if you know me, if you've seen any of my content on um, social media, um, I am someone that is regularly described as quite bendy. Uh, yeah 
I I am a bendy bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> so having said that, I will still sometimes uh, feel tight sensations in certain positions. Um, and this can, uh, this, this can be affected by so many different factors, which I will go into a bit more later. Um, but I wanted to reiterate that um, the sensation and the feeling of tightness is actually a positive thing. Um, just as actually having a pain response um, is a positive thing. If we didn't feel pain, we'd be in serious problems because it is a protective, one of our best protective mechanisms. Um, it is literally, if you had a hot I don't know, you were cooking something on your hob and you touched it with your finger and you didn't feel pain, bye-bye finger. You know, pain is a positive thing to a certain degree. (laughs) Um, That gets a lot more complicated with chronic pain, but that will be another episode. Uh, But we're talking about acute pain of, um, say, someone's pulled your arm back in jujitsu and it's acute and something's torn and it's gone out. Um, But the feeling of tightness could just be from moving in a range of motion that you aren't as skilled in. Um, For example, as Sophie touched on, um, feeling like you're stiff if you're trying to squat to a lower depth and maybe you haven't done a whole lot of squatting before or it's a new kind of squat or whatever. Um, But the feeling of tightness is related to more than just your skill within that movement. For example, as I said, I am a bendy person. I am someone that has no real issue and I never have in touching my toes. It's not something that I personally have had to work to get skilled in. Um, However, I will get up some mornings where I've slept like utter shit and I will bend over for whatever reason to pet the cat or whatever it is and my lower back and my hamstrings will go, oi, come on now. That, that hurts, actually. That's, we're not quite ready for that. Um, so that's just one example of um, where a tightness feeling might be created. Um, other reasons could be, I mean, there's so, there could be so many and the list is almost endless, but um, stress, any kind of stress could contribute to a feeling of tightness. Um, Maybe you'd be in an environment you hate, like me, for example, if I was in a gym. (laughs) Uh, Or, and this is where coaches have so much power over clients, uh, if someone with authority told you that, for example, you had weak hamstrings or, oh, you've got to be careful not to squat too low because that's not good for your knees. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where um, the kind of social implications on that feeling of tightness and that feeling of that sort of tight pain come in of um, people that have some kind of authority in your life, be it your PT or your uh, physio or your doctor, um, or it could even be, you know, your mum or a friend that has bad knees. And they're like, oh, I've got bad knees because my hip's out of line or something. And then that becomes something that you internalize and use within your experience of how you view your body and the way that you move. Tight also doesn't mean weak. Uh, This is also a crap rhetoric. Uh, As I mentioned, there are so many possible contributing factors that it could increase that feeling of tight. Oh, and as Sophie was speaking about, she was talking about warm-ups and saying doing dead bugs or, I don't know, bird dogs or... A good old dowel. Oh, bloody hell. 
a dowel, a dowel hinge or something like that um, to build up to an exercise. Um, and there's nothing wrong with these exercises, but the point is that you have to think about you have to think about your goal. You have to think about your actual headline goal. What are you looking to get out of your session? If that is to get the very best out of your squat that you've ever got, your warm-up should reflect that. Um, and if we go back to the fact that all movement is dynamic stretching, um, doing a dead bug or, um, you know, doesn't reflect that or some kind of plank. A lot of people will encourage things like planks for improving core stability for squats. That doesn't carry over. The skills are not, mm. they don't reflect mm. each other. Um, what you could do is heaps of different variations um, within the squat pattern um, to build the skill because we know that um, variation and skill building go hand in hand. Sophie and I both post up um, content around this of like lots of different ways that you can do different exercises and stuff like that. Um, so definitely have a little bruise because obviously we can't, I'm not going to sit here and describe lots of exercises you know have a look at our pages and if you have any other questions do um do write in and ask us um and i also go over a hell of a lot of variations in my classes that's exactly what they're for when trainers encourage clients to perform certain exercises in certain ways because they have diagnosed that client as tight, it's not helpful to the client in supporting them in feeling good about moving generally. And it's creating a hurdle for that client that could be standing in the way of what they actually came to achieve mm. by hiring that coach. So if, I don't know, for example, if a client came to a coach saying, I just want to feel fitter so I can play tennis with my son. And that coach has gone, hold on there. That hamstring isn't very, it's tight. And it's, you know, there's a problem there. We need to sort that out before you can um, do anything. They are putting a hurdle in front of that client that is completely separate from what they've come in to them about. Um, and it comes down to that classic marketing tool of creating, the coach creating a problem that, uh, the client has to come back to them to be able to fix. And it is disempowering for that client and it is ultimately wasting their time and money. So yes, it sucks. Flexibility is a goal and feeling more mobile is a goal. Um, say for example, I do, um, or before lockdown anyway, I did aerial hoop classes. Uh, a lot of that is doing a lot of weird funky splits and back bends. Um, so improving my skill in those ranges is a big part of um, improving my performance at that sport. This leads me on to another reason why people stretch, which is to improve recovery, which uh, Sophie already kind of touched on a little bit. Uh, but I'm going to discuss um, muscle soreness that you get after a workout. So quite a lot of the time people will stretch at the end of a workout um, to reduce that feeling of soreness that is referred to as DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. The research doesn't support the theory that stretching at the end of the workout will reduce that feeling of uh, soreness that you get um, in the coming days. Uh, it Psychologically, there's a big psychological component here of lying down and after a really hard session and 
taking a bit of time to cool down and do stretches that feel really nice and make you feel really good, that could absolutely impact the way that you feel going out of that session. So that could impact how you then went about that day. But biologically, does it reduce that, the sort of little micro tears that you've made doing that workout? No. Does it help them recover faster? No. If you had a big, I don't know, an open wound, you wouldn't stretch it open more to encourage recovery. That'd be bizarre. You'd just leave it alone and put a plaster on it. Um, that's my, I don't think that's the most amazing analogy, but I think that's... I like it. Yeah. Um, so Sophie's going to... Having said that, so I've told you that effectively stretching doesn't help with DOMS or improving recovery. So I thought, Sophie, now that I've had that little round, Sophie can take you through the things that we do know actually help with recovery. The truth is, <laughs> there's not many. And the best thing is pretty decent nutrition and sleep. I mean, if we're thinking about the process of, let's say, getting more range or loading yourself or feeling pretty tired in a session. If an external load is applied in certain ways, and obviously a muscle can strengthen and lengthen, um, you know, basically you're adding sarcomeres, which is a very fancy word for basically like little building blocks um, around satellite cells. And when it's a lot of eccentric forces, when you are training, of course, you're going to feel sore because you've got more forces and more adaptation going on which means that of course afterwards there's going to be a bigger physiological reaction going on inside of you which means the best way to mitigate that is acknowledging that you have this going on and then getting a pretty decent night's sleep maybe eating a, a bit more protein with your training to try and supplement your recovery or speed or think about how it ex expedites the process of, of recovery itself inside your body. I know these are things, these are quite boring topics, basically saying sleep a bit better and eat maybe a bit more protein. But ultimately with DOMS, as we know that delayed onset muscle soreness, you might know it's that, it's pretty unavoidable if you're going to be training, especially if you're going to be training with weights. And to be honest, actually, no, not even with weights. As, as Lauren knows, you didn't know, you don't need to need weights for it. A lot of things like, you know, ground reaction and manipulating joints where the force is going to put you at body weight can be pretty damn killer, particularly because if we're looking at the brain region, not only is it taxing physiologically, but it's very taxing to learn a skill. So you're essentially exhausting your nervous system trying to learn a skill. So when people say stretching alleviates their, their, their pain or makes them feel a bit bendier, as Lauren said, if you're going to lie down on the floor and just relax and kind of phase out a little bit, or relax or do some deep breath work, yes, your nervous system is going to return to what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, whereby it's much more relaxed, and you're going to feel a bit less in pain. So a lot of this stuff, it's not that stretching doesn't have a positive effect. It's that we just don't think that stretching has the effect that people claim it has on our body on a biological, physiological, and even neurological level. It certainly has its benefits, and if it helps you, even in your recovery, that's awesome. But just know that recovery is best done by keeping it really simple, getting good quality sleep, managing your load um, and, and managing how you learn skills. So you're not overwhelmed. is quite nice. And you feel confident and you feel um, capable in the sense that you, you can go into a gym feeling happy when you're in there or a gym or training in a park or at home. You're feeling happy and you're exercising. That's the main thing, really. Um, and looking at your nutrition, seeing if there's a way that your nutrition can supplement your current active lifestyle. Those are really boring and simple, but they are really the most effective ways of managing recovery, not a Theragun or 
a Hitachi magic wand. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I could, yeah, I completely agree. I don't really have huge amounts. I, it was like, I eating, and I was gonna, the only thing that I was gonna say was like with nutrition, eating enough. And like, yeah. for example, if someone is, which you already said, but if someone is, um, I don't know, say trying to lose a bit of body fat, maybe they're in a little bit of deficit, it's likely that you're going to feel more sore because you're not getting the same amount of nutrition. And that is something that isn't discussed. It, it's not discussed. I've noticed this. It's really not discussed. And I think it's like people are missing the forest of the trees. Like, I'm so sore. Well, of course, I mean, your body is literally lacking the energy and the building blocks to, yeah. to feel good to perform again. And that's really important. And also, if you are, if you are let's say, trying to lose weight, and let's say you're already you're already at a certain point in your body composition where you are lifting quite heavy and training regularly. And there's only, there's a point where you're really trying to shave off certain percentages of body fat. Yes, it's going to suck because there's going to be a point where you're going to have to slightly tweak that amount in. And again, people don't really discuss this. People don't discuss how grumpy and sore you might get when when you're adjusting your food intake. Yeah. And that can be really hard as well. And that can increase pain. And you can also, I mean, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, it can totally, stress is such a huge um, factor in how you experience um, DOMS as well. Um, and of course, your endocrine system, your hormones. So if your approach, there's more and more research coming out about this now, but um, training around if you are, if you identify as a woman and you are like around your cycle, um, or if you're a man, actually, hormones, men have hormones as well. They're not really spoken about that much. Uh, but, like, you know, there may be times where um, you are a little bit more vulnerable to pain and you feel, I certainly, I mean, at a certain time of the month, I will get doms like nothing. Mm-hmm. I will literally only have to go up the stairs and I will be like, I will be sore. <laughs> yeah. And I notice around certain times my month, my performance is not as perceived and my perceived efficacy because I get sore very easily, I get tired very easily. I'm just not as present in my performance overall is affected. So that is a massive contributing factor to how you perceive recovery and performance. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to conclude, we need to stop seeing stretching as an entirely different form of exercise that we need to fit in on top of our already busy lives to be able to succeed at our chosen activity. Um, It is just movement. Obviously, being skilled enough to move through certain ranges of motion in life is ideal. Um, For example, say you could get up out of a chair, get in and out of a chair, climb stairs, get in and out of the bath, um, get off the ground at a socially distanced picnic, um, reach the peanut butter out of the back of your cupboard, um, order a very drunk cartwheel. Um, These are all uh, very useful life skills that you require um, certain ranges to be able to achieve. Um, But again, it comes down to your goals. Like what, what activities do you need the flexibility for? Do you need more flexibility for running? Um, Probably not. It's quite a short range of motion. Is it (laughs) comparative to something like yoga where you might really want to increase your range of motion and to be able to get into some of those really funky poses that they do? Again, I don't do yoga, so don't ask me about specific poses. It basically just comes down to the fact that all movement is literally dynamic stretching and we need to stop thinking it as a separate thing. I will drop the mic.
dropped. <laughs> so now that we've had a good old natter about stretching, we're going to stretch your brains even more. And that's the only pun I can think of. Wait, that was a bit of a reach. I'm so proud of myself sometimes. And also sometimes I hate myself a lot. So that was an example of both of that happening at the same time. Um, Speaking of hatred, Lauren and I found an absolutely amazing picture of the week, which we are going to do in the podcast because it is just so good to... um, laugh at some of these ideas and make us feel superior obviously but also try to help you guys realize what is myth and what is fact and make sure that you don't part your hard-earned money to potential charlatans or gurus um and what have you so we actually have a very good example of this in this week which was (laughs) which i found hilarious but also depressing um a certain company with like a million followers on instagram um put proposed the idea that apparently high-waisted leggings weaken your core and I think Lauren has got some shit to say on this yeah um like you say it is particularly depressing because this company does have over a million followers um you know it says a lot about the state of the industry um I firstly just want to say that If you are breathing, if you are a human being that is breathing, your core is activating, period. Um, I could really stop there. The only way leggings could stop the muscles in your abs from working is literally if they somehow suffocated you and you died. That is extreme, but also true. This is another classic case of creating fear um, to drive people to buy products, which conveniently this guy sells programs. Um, So it's just another way of, a ridiculous way of getting, creating fear that only this guy knows about and can fix. Um, So you need to buy into it to fix your silly broken body. That is literally all this guy is. Um, Shocker, he is a guy. Um, (laughs) and aside from the fact that there is no evidence for this claim, uh, and the person that posted it didn't, doesn't even remotely bother to back up any of his claims with research. Um, if compressing the core weakened your abs, then people that used weightlifting belts would be fucked. And I will be honest, that point is anecdotal. And I could speak a lot more about weight belts in the future, but that is for another time. But that was the analogy that sort of came to mind. You have people on one side of the spectrum literally using uh, weightlifting belts to do heavy lifting because of its proposed core like stabilizing benefits, which again, some of those I would question, but like I said, that's another time. But and then you have this guy on the other end saying that Lululemon leggings will fuck you up. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just. And then you wonder why people are so confused. Yeah, and fact, yeah. And so that's it, really. It's a short, snappy fit shit. Don't if you if you see that post, there you go. You know it's you know it's bullshit. I promise you. Um, and you don't don't buy his programs. Don't give him any. Right. Money. Don't give him engagement. Don't. I wish I didn't. I commented. Do you have a source for this? And no one replied. No. I look like a floating <laughs> idiot. <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people comment on because I did have a good good old stalk because all of this 
all of his content is fucking atrocious. But um, I had a good look through quite a lot of it. And so many of the posts, people are saying, can you cite your evidence for this? And it's just... They either don't reply or they send, they, they reply with a really rude message, which is yeah. very telling. Yeah. It's just the completely patronising response. Um, and yeah, it's really sad. But that is ultimately why we want to do this um, podcast as coaches. So um, we can hopefully bring you, help expose any kind of bullshit that might be trying to take your money, but also empower you in reiterating the message that your body isn't broken and that you are kind of fine to move in the way that you want. Uh, And that's kind of it, really. I think that's pretty cool. I think we're sort of done. Are we done? Are we happy? Do you have points? No, I think we're done and dusted. Amazing. Okay, pals. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode two. If you have any questions at all, hit us up on social media. We've actually got a bloody Instagram for this podcast now. It's I just at- need to find the password. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sophie's lost the password. So, uh, but it is there. It is there. It is. We will be updating it with um, other things. So that's at Witness the Fitness. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Lauren Slater Coaching, and Sophie is on Instagram at Sophie T, which is S O F I T E E. And I actually thought her name was spelled S O F I E for ages um, because of her Instagram. Yeah, um, a lot of people get lulled into a false sense of security with that one. Yeah, yeah she's basically just, I was about to say catfishing people, but that's not the right. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, we'll love you and leave you. We'll speak to you soon. And if you have any requests for topics, let us know. Be safe, everyone. Bye, folks.